0: A home, it's something we all need, but for too many, having a safe place to make a home is out of reach. The challenges can seem insurmountable, and yet each and every day people are coming together to provide safe, quality, and affordable housing for those in need. Welcome to Let's Talk Housing. I'm your host, Sarah Goldwein. Join us as we listen to and learn from people in British Columbia who are creating strong, inclusive communities where everyone can thrive. Today on Let's Talk
1: Housing, we are joined by Rohani Sadiq of Kawasa Neighborhood House. She runs a very successful youth program at McLean Park, a BC housing property in the Strathcona neighborhood of Vancouver. Before we get underway, I'd like to acknowledge that this recording is taking place on the territories of the Musqueam, Squamish, and Tsleil-Waututh, whose stewardship of these lands, including the area now known as Strathcona, dates back to time immemorial. Also, for transparency, we are recording this episode in September 2023. Rohani,
2: welcome to Let's Talk Housing. Thank you. I'm grateful to be here.
1: Let's start by just learning a little bit more about you. Can you tell our listeners um, about your role
2: and about what brings you to this work? Sure. So my role at Kawasa Neighborhood House is um, I'm the youth programs coordinator there. So I coordinate all the youth programs. And currently I work with youth age from nine to 24 years old.
1: That's a big range for youth from nine to 24. Why is this type of work important to you? Why,
2: why do you choose to work with youth? To be honest with you, like I grew up in the same neighborhood that I currently work in or in the same community. And I've always loved helping young people. And I've gotten that help when I was younger. So just to give back to the community is I think um, such an honor that now I can do that for the community.
1: Amazing. And now the Strathcona community for folks from Vancouver, we know it's pretty special. Um, Many of our listeners though, won't know much about this community. Can you tell us a little bit about Strathcona and what
2: makes it so special? Um, I just wanted to clarify that my office at Kawasa is different than the Strathcona area that I currently was running the summer program. So near the 701 Jackson location, which is located in Strathcona, um, we are literally within walking distance of the downtown east side. And if folks don't know what the downtown east side of Vancouver is um there's a lot of poverty there's a lot of homeless people um there's a lot of stuff that go around substance abuse um so it, and it's a very low income neighborhood as well and actually the poster code around here is I believe one of the poorest poster codes in Vancouver actually I think Canada worldwide like in Canada if I'm not mistaken um so in saying that it's there's a lot of barriers, too, that young people face in this neighborhood. Yeah, so many barriers, which is
1: why this program is so important. So tell us a little bit about, about the Youth Summer Program. Um,
2: what, what does it do for youth? So the program is aged from 9 to 18, um, and it's a free program, so it doesn't cost any money. Um, and the program basically is a place for young people to come to, to have a safe place to socialize, to engage in a lot of activities, um, to work on mental health uh, aspects too within themselves. Um, And most importantly as well, one of the I think biggest uh, feedbacks that I've got from these young folks was that they were able to eat meals and meals at set times as well. So we're fortunate enough this summer to also serve breakfast and lunch uh, to these young people. Uh, but ultimately, it was a, just a safe place for these young people to come to, and um, just to feel welcomed and to feel heard and seen. So, Rahani you mentioned you you grew up in
1: housing, and of course, you know you've been on quite a personal journey yourself um, as a refugee and immigrant. And now you're in this position where you're leading a youth program for for young folks. Can you share a little bit about
2: about your own personal journey and how you have overcome challenges along the way? I think for me, uh, one of the challenges of growing up in the downtown east side was living in the most impoverished area of the city and constantly witnessing legal activities like prostitution, gang, uh, gang violence, drugs, and alcohol, amongst other addictions, right outside my door. Um, as a new refugee child, like feeling a war country. I was already vulnerable and this new challenging environment became a different kind of war zone uh, for me and my family, where my parents worked really hard to instill faith, ethics and values in us uh, so we could continue to live life in a dignified way despite our challenges. Uh, It was not easy smelling drugs or witnessing constant sounds of police or ambulance sirens or violence that often disrupted our sleep and ultimately negatively impacted my overall health to function at school. Um, I'm just so grateful to have had such a solid and impact family to channel my energy to things that really matter and to be resilient despite all the challenges I faced growing up in BC Housing and in the downtown side.
1: Thank you so much for sharing that. Um, how do you think that experience in impacts how you how you lead now right you're in this
2: leadership role how does how does your experience impact how you lead honestly i feel like i just have so much confidence and belief and never giving up on youth that come to the program even if you know a kid is so low barrier to the pa- the fact that like i have to work even harder that motivates me. And because like looking back at my childhood and the way I grew up, I was privileged to have such a supportive family. And, you know, I grew up with six brothers and four amazing sisters and a mom and dad. And also having like, you know, the background history of my culture and my traditions, and especially my faith, like I'm a practicing Muslim. I think having that installed, like it allows me to allow any kid to come to the program. There's no judgment. Um, but I think the biggest thing for me is just believe in Allah and not taking things personally too. Because, you know, at the end of the day, like I said earlier, I'm in charge of the process and not the outcome. So whatever happens at the end of the day, maybe I got to go back to my process and see if there's things I can do even better. Um, but I think for me, it's like just, having the confidence and installing that confidence in other people. And you've come back and keep on doing this work. What makes you come back and just keep on,
1: keep on giving back to the community in this way, despite all of the, you
2: know, the difficulties of of having, having a role like this? Of course, uh, I'll be honest with you. Like, you know, when I, I lose youth to either overdoses or tragic events, um, where, you know, they pass away. It's, I think those are my hardest days where I'm like, okay, do I want to go through that again? But I think like having the support of my family, um, and just knowing that I might not be able to help everyone, but maybe one kid get better and evolving within their future gives me that little bit of hope. And it, also empowers me to just do the best that I can. Um, And of course, you know, I'm not perfect, far from perfect. I make mistakes all the time. I have bad days as well. But I think a big part of my religion and my faith of, you know, praying and, you know, going to the gym and talking to my family has really helped me uh, move forward within this job. So you you mentioned
1: partnerships with the police, and that might seem a little bit surprising for for some folks when they think about programs for youth in, in neighborhoods like Strathcona and the downtown east side. Can you tell
2: us how you've made that partnership work? Absolutely. Um, so I partnered with uh, the Strathcona Community Policing Center um so they just offer a lot of services to the community um and there's a police officer uh, a, a community police liaison officer that works there uh, alongside with that team um and working with them in the summer they were off they were able to provide us with um volunteers throughout the whole summer um and one of my most uh, honestly like if it wasn't for this partnership um we wouldn't have a lot of volunteers supporting us during the summer. So I just wanted to thank them from the bottom of my heart for all their support. Um, so within partnering with these folks, um, I was able to get in some, uh, of the Vancouver police officers, uh, to come, for example, at the end of our event. Um, but I feel like it's so important in this specific neighborhood, um, because, um, it, Promoted officers to be in uniform in a positive light for even folks that have, you know, had trauma from past experiences or even get triggered from certain things. Yeah. So you mentioned, um, going to McLean park and some of the, some of the activities
1: that you're doing with the, with the youth outdoors. Can you tell us a bit about the uh, partnership with the city
2: of Vancouver's parks and rec department? So we went to uh McLean park and, uh, there were individuals there that were called playground leaders. And so they have like daily activities that they run. And I actually, um, I am still currently uh, a playground leader too, because I also work for the city of Vancouver. So having that knowledge as well is what Parks and Rec uh, provides for the kids that live in the city of Vancouver. I knew that that park was running with two playground leaders. So um, we were able to access what activities they had at the park. But also um, I was able to give information to these young people Regarding like that, you know, there's a fitness center in some of these community centers in the neighborhood. So where Strathcona 701 Jackson was located, there's actually two community centers within walking distance to our location, which was Strathcona Community Center and Raycam Community Center. Um, And so it was just another resource to give to these young folks um, so they can access even more resources at these uh, community centers. Tell us a little bit about what, a, like, what would a day look like? You've got youth that show up, they've got breakfast, they've got lunch. What are, what are you doing with them during the day? I had a team of four other staff. So we had a youth settlement worker. Um, and that specific role through Colossa was um, a person that worked with new immigrants, uh, but also with local youth as well. Um, and then we had I was privileged uh, with BC Housing's funding to hire three additional youth that also lived in the community. And so a typical day would look like we would come to work at 8.30, we would do um, a prep check-in. So just talking about what the day may look like um, and then also giving jobs to everyone. Um, And then at 9 a.m., we would prep breakfast and lunch. And we were making about uh, 25 breakfasts and 25 lunches. And then in addition, making an extra 15 in case some folks wanted, uh, seconds. And then the kids would arrive at 10 AM. We would serve breakfast up until about 10:45, And then we would get into an educational workshop of some sort. So for example, I'll just give you one. We did a workshop with the Vancouver police department, um, that really talked about like sexual exploitation and street safety and all that kind of stuff. Um, and then there would be a recreational component too, to the program. So uh, we would do something outside. So go to, let's say, McLean Park, for example, with, which is in within walking distance to our location where the kids can run and play um, a sport or even try something that they've never tried outdoors. Um, And then we would come back to our space. And, um, you know, some kids would literally just want another snack. So we would provide them with a snack. And then um, three o'clock was our end date. And uh, just so you folks know, like we planned out the whole summer, but every day we had to like be flexible in changing everything we had planned out because of the needs that the youth would bring into the space so sometimes we would have okay we're going to go to the park and play a basketball tournament but some of the youth came to the program really with no energy just needing somebody to talk to so we would have to like switch and be flexible and changing our whole day to fit the needs of the young people that would come to the program.
1: You mentioned some of the some of the folks that you worked with and um, some of them are from the community. Uh, what do, What is that like for people who are from the community, have had that
2: experience and, and now are, are working with these same youth? I think like specifically with the youth uh, staff, I think it gave them a chance to believe in themselves and, you know, to take away that voice with anyone in their life or maybe just within themselves to it built the confidence to know that you know um i could do something with my life and you know look i'm helping like simple things like you know sorry not simple things cuz i think for them it was a lot when it came to even serving lunch right is like things like when they had to make lunch for the youth they saw the impact it had by simply making a sandwich to how it fed somebody else and so i think gaining that experience and doing something like that made them want to do it at home too for their families. Um, And I think the biggest thing is just acknowledging that, you know, if you just listen or hear someone sometimes that it can have the biggest impact on young people or anyone in general. Um, And then for my youth settlement worker, I think it was understanding like the different type of youth that would come into the program and realizing that, you know, because that specific role, uh, we welcomed immigrants into the program. And we had some kids that didn't speak English. They just spoke different languages. And so I think for that employer, it taught them that like there's different ways of communicating um With you know pictures or body language, and over the summer,
1: you got up to some real fun. It sounds like um what was a highlight for you uh from the summer in terms of the different activities you got to you got
2: to do with these youth um to be honest with you, uh it was just seeing them every day um, and of course, the fun parts of like seeing them try something new that they've never tried. Um for me the biggest highlight was them trying the different types of vegetables that we provided them with where when they would come they said hey I'm never going to eat a cucumber and we're like we're going to get you to eat a cucumber but also seeing the benefit that it had within their par- par- participation and participating in all the different activities we had um And I think one of the biggest highlights was seeing one of the Vancouver police officers dancing at our end of the summer party on September 1st with the youth at our end of the summer event. That's certainly not a picture that most people would be familiar with, right?
1: Yeah. Uh, I mean, you mentioned um, a couple of partnerships. Um, can you tell us a little bit about how you you work with other, with other organizations or some of the partners that you work with to be able to bring programming
2: together for these youth? Absolutely. Um, I think I just am really good at talking to people. And I think I just have a passion for what I do. So I just honestly went out into the community and I kind of strategized on who to talk to as well. I'll be honest with you. Like, for example, um, is it okay if I name some of the partnerships? Yes. Yep. Okay. So I partnered with, uh, of course, BC Housing um, to fund the whole program, which I'm so grateful for. Um, and I then partnered with Union Gospel Mission Thrift Store, where, you know, I was able to take the youth shopping for a full hour and they shut down their store so the kids could get back to school clothes or just other outfits that they may need to, you know, um, make themselves successful in the future. And I also partnered with some local restaurants as well to provide them the restaurant experience uh, so they can, um, you know, go into a restaurant, um, get the um, capacity building of like ordering their food and knowing that there's a budget they have to work around. Um, And then I think one of the other ones, too, was uh, Mount Pleasant Dental Group was partnering with a local dentist in the community where the kids uh, got um, their teeth looked out and also an educational but also fun way to um, think about how they're taking care of their mouths. Um, And then also the Vancouver Whitecaps, so they can experience, um, you know, just learning more about Vancouver because soccer is huge in our city as of hockey too, but hockey doesn't run throughout the summer. Um, But just for them to try a new sport um, and um, we were privileged to get a box suite at one of the games. And um, they also gave the youth the opportunity to um, access uh, food too in the suite. Um, which was amazing for some of them to experience as they barely, honestly, if it wasn't for this program, I don't think they would ever experience it with some of the feedback that the youth, that the young people gave us. Um, and there's a lot more partnerships that I can name, but I know that um, we got a certain time on this podcast. So
1: that sounds amazing. I mean, you, you're giving these youth, as you said, for some of them, this, for many of them, this would Probably be brand new experiences. I mean, being in a box, you know, a uh, corporate box for a professional soccer game like that's a pretty big deal. Um, what do you? What difference do you think it makes for for uh, participants in the program? If you think about them now, starting the school year, going back to school, going back to going back to um, the day to day, how do you think those types of
2: experiences? Impact them. All depends on the youth themselves if they want it to impact them or not. But I feel like it does impact them in a positive way. Um, not only having the lived experience of having that privilege when I was young um, into uh, being a part of a program similar to this, but I think it just makes them believe in themselves and also uh, makes them aware of the additional resources that we have in our community. Um, and to try things that they may think because of culture or traditions or where they come from, that it's available out there um and also I think the biggest thing is just them believing in themselves and that there's someone out there that cares um because one thing that I noticed in this specific program is that there was a young a lot of young folks that would come to the program and sometimes not even speak a lot. And by the end of the summer, they were blowing my ears, right? <laughs> with with questions and um, feedback and stuff, which I loved. Um, but I know that that, you know, skill isn't always easy accomplished over two months. Um, so I think just the biggest thing for me was allowing them to have a voice in the program. And to kind of gear me towards like, hey, this is working, you know, we need more of this. Um, And so by providing them with those certain experiences, I learned a lot in knowing like, hey, like, you know, in the future, let's hopefully go on more out trips, right? Or let's do more of this. I uh,
1: really enjoy that you've raised the importance of giving youth a voice. So um, maybe we can end on on this question. Um, What we have a lot of decision makers um, and people in the housing sector who listen to this podcast. Um, and the voices of youth are not often represented well in these spaces. What do you think youth, what, what do you think we should listen to youth around? What, what type of advice would you share on behalf of um, some of the youth that you've worked with, uh, with decision makers about
2: what matters for, for housing and for the types of changes that we need to make? I think for me, it would be the message of believing in the process and not the outcome. And sometimes as decision makers, bringing in young people to be a part of uh, the decision makings, um, I think it'd be very helpful, especially with a program like this. Like, you know, we brought young people together to ask us what they needed in their community. And um, it was a way more productive way to run a program by hearing their voice. And I think that's one thing that I installed in the program was allowing these young people to have a voice. And I think if we're able to do that more as professionals or decision makers, um, I think that it would really help the communities we're working in uh, because, you know, as you said earlier, not everyone's going to know what the downtown East side is, right? Um, Every community has different, um, barriers, uh, different resources, um, and different diversity of youth as well. Um, so I think it's just listen to their voice and normalize letting youth use their voice. What a, what a
1: powerful message. Thank you so much Rohani, for joining us on the podcast. Let's
0: talk again soon. To learn more about BC Housing, including how to apply for subsidized housing in British Columbia, visit bchousing.org. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, and X. If you enjoyed this episode, give us a rating. This will help others find Let's Talk Housing and join the conversation. You can subscribe to Let's Talk Housing on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts.